Hi, and welcome to the CTO podcast. I'm your host, Gareth Burns, and I'm delighted you could join me here today. I'm going to be talking about open source licenses and open source license compliance um, and why it's important to CTOs. But before we start, I just wanted to say thanks for the feedback on the first episode. Um, it's exciting and humbling to get your feedback and that so many of you watched it and got in touch to tell me what you thought. Um, so I'm really, really pleased about that. But remember, if you are watching on YouTube, then to hit the subscribe button. And if you're following through an audio provider, to subscribe with them as well, because you'll be kept up to date with all the podcasts going forward and what we're going to be discussing over the next few months. To recap, though, um, I just want to go over quickly the purpose of the podcast is to introduce the, the world of the CTO to new or aspirational developers, engineers, managers who want to either become a CTO or have just started being a CTO and are not sure what would be expected of them or how they should be going about things. This is obviously based on my opinions and experiences and occasionally I bring in guests to talk about different subjects, but today it's all me um, and my experiences in the world of open source license compliance. I was um, given a few questions as feedback for the last podcast, and one of the big ones I got was, why don't I wear a suit? Um, don't I wear one for my job as a CTO? Um, is it not something that a CTO should be doing as wearing a suit? Well, obviously, I film from my, my home office here, and um, I wear a suit when it's required. So if I'm obviously speaking to investors or a pitch meeting or something important that's a business function, then I will be wearing a suit. But most of the time, I'm in t-shirt and jeans or polo shirt and jeans. And this podcast is relaxed. It's designed to be relaxed, um, casual and welcoming. So that's why this is quite a kind of um, casually dressed kind of thing. Um, so hopefully that answers the question that was posed to me. Anyway, I love your questions. So please get in touch. Let me know what you think. Um, I'd love to kind of hear more. But um, we'll get ready for today's topic. Open source software is where the source code is open and shared for other users to use. It differs to proprietary software, which would typically be closed down. And when you think proprietary software, think commercial software, really. Um, it's typically where it's kind of, you pay for it and you don't get access to the source code. But with open source software, it's typically free to get a hold of and you're allowed in some way, shape or form to either you get access to the source code, use it for something or change it and redistribute it. We all benefit from open source software because the, the building blocks of the internet have always been open source. You know, when we think about Linux, we think about Apache Web Server, these are the building blocks of the internet and they are open source software. Um, they can be amended and adapted and come with their own licenses. But it's not just full programs that are open source. There are also code components and libraries as well. So any libraries you maybe get from NuGet, from PIP, from, you know, from um, NPM, for example, are all bits of software that come with a license and you should be aware as a CTO um, the licenses that they come with. What you're probably not aware of is that snippets as well also um, are copyrighted. You know, anything created by someone is copyrighted and as such has a license implied. So if you're copying code from an online tutorial, a blog, 
um, or any other kind of online source, then there is a copyright for that and there should also be a license. If there's not, then it's implied that there is a license. Um, and you should be very, very careful about using stuff like that. Um, they're not always friendly for commercial use licenses, so it's really important that you um, understand the licenses that are there, um, any licenses that are applicable to code, um, and use them correctly. But we'll talk about that in a minute. So before we talk about licenses and the different types of licenses out there, I wanted to just kind of focus for a second on why we as CTOs use open source software. Well, for CTOs, there's a lot of things we have to consider when building software. And the main things around that where open source comes in is really around speed and security and essentially lowering costs. So, you know, Firstly, if somebody has built some software and it's open source, it does the job really well, and it does what you need the software to do or part of your software to do, then why reinvent the wheel? Um, you know, why build something at cost when you can get it for free? Um, and why reinvent the wheel or spend time building that when you can do it quickly by using open source software? It's a real huge motivator for open source software is the speed and the fact that it's typically free to use. But there's also a couple of other benefits. For the, the first one being community. Typically with open source software, there is a community around it um, and it's being looked after and managed by that community. So that means bugs are getting fixed, uh, applications are being patched, there's updates, it's regulated through Git and things like that. And it's constantly in an improvement cycle and that's you know, part of the free cost. So that's a real, real benefit. And with that, because there's lots of eyes on the software, it makes it, in theory, more critically appraised and under constant review. So if there's any bugs, defects, or security holes, they're going to get picked up sooner than later, and they're going to be addressed quickly as well. So it's hugely important from that point of view um, to CTOs because you can have some confidence about the software you're using and have access to The negatives, on the other hand, are sometimes in the same topics. You know, the community might not be there anymore. It may be expired software. It may be deprecated. It may be software that is orphaned and nobody's looking after it anymore. And in that case, you know, you can't be confident that it's well-maintained. You can't be confident that it's patched or that somebody's looking after it. So it creates security issues as well as, you know, um, issues around updates and all that kind of stuff. It also doesn't always come with great documentation or support. There may be documentation there, but if it's a small project, for example, the developers may be more focused on actually building the software than actually documenting it. Um, and that's really important because there's no point trying to use something to increase your velocity at development time if you're going to have to go off and learn it for a couple of weeks um, and lose that time anyway. The last point, and the last negative is the bit we're here for today, which is licensing and licensing nightmares. Um, now, licensing need not be a nightmare. Um, I'm going to explain to you the different types of licenses coming up, but it's something that every CTO has to be aware of. So let's talk about licenses. 
all software comes with a license for its use. Um, and licenses can typically cover an open source world, the, the usage, modification, sale, and distribution of open source software. Typically, you know, you will have seen a license if you're a gamer or a developer, if you're installing software or you're um, playing a game for the first time, you usually get a using license coming up for you to accept. But even if you use things like Microsoft Office or Adobe Suite or anything like that, Apple or Android apps, these there is typically a license that you agree to um, to use the software. That's common for proprietary software, um, commercial software, um, and the usage of that software. But with open source software, because you're getting access to the source code, it's a bit different. So when it comes to open source software, there are actually different types of licenses um, covering different use cases. The most open of all is typically the public domain one that grants all rights to the user um, and there's no restrictions on um, accessing the source code, using the source code and building on top of or distributing that source code. Um, so that's public domain. Okay, but then we have permissive licenses and they grant usage rights, but and forbid almost nothing, right? Um, there's a lot there to unpack, but with permissive licenses, we're talking typically about um, BSD-like um, or BSD-style licenses. And BSD is the, the license that came out of um, Berkeley University, California, um, about open source software. Similar very much to MIT licenses, they can be a bit more explicit about usage, um, but Apache licenses are typically similar as well. There can be distribution clauses, but broadly, these are mostly friendly. Okay, so they're not going to kind of restrict you too much. So that's the permissive licenses. Then we get into the more restrictive ones. We have the copyleft protective license, and that grants usage rights but prevents certain things. So copyleft is a legal technique of granting certain freedoms over copies of copyrighted works with the requirement that the same rights be preserved in the derivative works. What does that mean? Well, it means that if you are taking the source code, um, you're altering it, you've had access to that, you're altering it and you're distributing it, you then have to make your source code that's built on that free as well so that other people can get access. Um, now that's obviously going to have huge implications to CTOs and what CTOs do, but that is the rules of a copyleft license. Richard Stallman um, really put this in his GNU manifesto back in 1985. He wrote that GNU is not in the public domain. Everyone will be permitted to modify and redistribute GNU, but no distributor will be allowed to restrict its further redistribution. That is to say, proprietary modifications will not be allowed. I want to make sure that all versions of GNU remain free. And that is very much the spirit of GNU. It's, I'm giving you this for free, so you should really give your stuff for free as well. And copyleft licenses or reciprocal licenses are typically the GPL, GNUs of the world, where you get those source code, but you must make your own changes available under that same license. And really, it prevents people from abusing other people's work um, in a commercial setting. Um, so it's really important if you are using software and it has those licenses in it, you'd be aware of that impact on you and your software. Okay, it's hugely, hugely important. 
Finally, we have the kind of non-commercial license. It grants rights for non-commercial use only and may be combined with kind of copylefting. So you may be using it for science-based stuff or learning or something like that, and you're not going to be using it for commercial activities. Um, so a non-commercial license is even more restrictive than the, the copyleft. Listen, I know this is a lot to take in, but be aware, it's not as simple as knowing and adhering to one license. You know, it's not always as clear. You can't kind of just say, oh, well, GNU, that's that's copyleft. There's also a GNU permissive license, which can make things very confusing. So it's really important that you understand the licenses that are in the source code that you're using in your software. Um, because also licenses have to work together. You know, you can't be using and mixing and matching software. So if you're producing a bit of code, um, an application, and you're using different um, open source components with different licenses, you know, different restrictions may cancel out other obligations. So it's really important to understand the compatibility across all the licenses in your software. Who cares? You may be thinking to yourself, who cares? I'm going to use this stuff. Nobody will ever know. Well, you know, there are people that enforce this. There's people that care a lot about this. Um, and we should all care a lot about this, I believe. You know, there's, there's been successfully civil court cases um, enforced. Uh, and typically they started in the mid-2000s. You know, there's been Jacobson and Katzer in the United States and Wilton Sidecom in Germany. Um, but there's some pretty famous ones as well that I recommend you go and learn about, like the Free Software Foundation versus Cisco back in 2009. Um, and remember at the start when I said we all use open source software? Well, in 2018, Oracle America Incorporated went to court against Google um, regarding the use of Oracle's open source code in the Android operating system for mobile devices. So, you know, there are people who care um, and there are repercussions. Um, with open source, courts treat redistribution as acceptance of license terms, typically, unless redistribution is forbidden by the copyright holder. So, you know, there can be legal implications there for you and your business. And if you're a CTO, you have to be aware of that because it will affect you, your business, your shareholders, your board, your customers. It will affect everybody. Um, there's groups out there, um, kind of, you know, um, groups that are essentially non-profits, um, that have an open mission to kind of protect computer user freedom. And there's, you know, the Free Software Foundation. There's the Software Freedom Conserv Conservancy. Um, get that right. Um, and they are non-profit organizations that essentially support developers, um, and protect open source and free software and the rights for them to remain free. Um, and they do a lot of work identifying it and working with companies to make them compliant um, and not always seeking financial penalties. You know, they, they try their best to, from my understanding, to, to basically work with companies to make them compliant. 
So there are organizations out there. Um, and I recommend checking this stuff out. You know, I don't endorse obviously any groups or, or any kind of, um, non-profit organizations on here or any corporates, but it's worthwhile having a look into all of these. Um, you can find information online on Wikipedia and in other places. And it's worthwhile having a dig and understanding, um, some more about the history and court cases that have come up around the enforcement of open source license compliance. So what are you going to do about it? What are you going to do about it? You know, how are you going to find out? You know, you've maybe, this is all very good if you're starting your journey and you're about to, you know, build something new, a greenfield project. But let's say you're six months down the line, you're a year down the line, you're going for your, your kind of post seed round and, or your seed round and you're looking for money from an investor and they want some information about your open source compliance. Or maybe you've been had a software for three, four years. It's been out in the wild. People are using it. Um, and you suddenly realize that you don't know the open source components that are in there. Well, there's different tools you can use. Um, and again, a bit like the, the organizations I can and won't endorse any specific ones, but there are different tools out there for different price points that will scan your code base and tell you what's in there. Now, it's very important. They're going to scan your code base. So make sure you know who you're giving access to before you give them access. Hugely important. Right. Because if you're uploading your source code to the, the web, you want to make sure that you know who you're giving it to when they're scanning it. Okay. Hugely important. But there are different ones out there for different price points. There's one called Sneak or SNYK, which is very much a free um, option online. Um, we are very security focused um, on looking at open source in your code base for security vulnerabilities. Um, and as I say, they have different price points there, but you know, there's a free option there if you want to get started with them. There's Fossology, free open source softwareology, which is an open source scanning tool for open source compliance. Uses two sub tools called Noma and Monk. Noma's for red Regex matching and Monk is for text matching, but essentially it will scan your code base for um, lots of different things, snippets and license compliance and license references and all that kind of stuff as well. So it's good to do that. And then there's the more enterprise level ones. Um, in a past life, I'd used the Black Duck software, which is now owned by Synopsys. Um, and they do full scans for different objectives. They can do obviously security scans, but they do code prints. They scan binaries for analysis and snippets as well. Now, there's no pricing on their website. It is very much custom quotes, but it is a really, really powerful tool for scanning entire code bases and understanding what's in there. So worth keeping in mind. So what have we covered today? We'll cover quite a lot. We talked about open source software and we talked about, you know, why we would use it, especially as a CTO. We talked about the benefits and the risks of open source software um, to you as a CTO and to the business um, and to your board, your shareholders and getting investment. Um, we talked about licenses. We talked about, you know, licenses being explicit and implicit. We talked about the types of licenses, the, the kind of free to use, completely open, um, you know, kind of public domain right through to the non-commercial licenses. And then we touched upon enforcement and a bit on tooling as well. 
But what I want to say to you here is, like, this is based on my experience, and everything is copyrighted by the creator owner, and implicitly everything has a license for its use. As a CTO, it's hugely important that you understand that, you understand the licenses, you understand how they combine and if they're compatible or not, and to make sure that you're adhering to your obligations if you are using it. Um, so it's hugely, hugely important. I hope this has been of some benefit and made you think. Um, I honestly would love to know your thoughts. If you think I've got anything wrong or you've got any other experiences that you'd like to share, please let us know in the comments. Um, but I really hope you've enjoyed this podcast today, that it's been of some benefit and it's really sparked your thoughts for understanding more about license compliance. Thanks very much for your time. Take care. Bye-bye.